Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Yeah, welcome everyone. Whether you are joining us at one of the campuses or you're watching online right now, uh, either way, I am so grateful that you are intentionally setting aside time to learn and grow in your faith, or for some of you, explore matters of faith. Uh, either way, just so grateful that you're with us today. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And did you know that so far this year, over 250 people have been baptized? That's 250 kids, students, and adults publicly declaring their faith. These are people stepping forward to follow Jesus. These are parents who are publicly declaring that they are going to raise their kids according to God's principles. And if you give back to God through this church, that is what you are giving towards. Tangible life difference, helping people look more like Jesus. And so I, personally, I just wanna say thank you. And if you wanna give today, if you wanna make an eternal difference in someone's life, uh, all you have to do is text Hosanna Give to 94000. You'll get a link back that'll get you started. Uh, otherwise, if you're at one of the campuses and you brought your gift along, you can drop it in one of the giving boxes out in the lobby. Uh, otherwise, today, today we are continuing our mega theme of live. Uh, we are looking at some of the letters of arguably the most influential Christian leader outside of Jesus, and I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul wrote most of our New Testament. We have 13 of his letters, although he most certainly wrote more than that. And uh, we're looking at four of his letters that help us better understand how we can live as followers of Jesus. And so over the course of four weeks, we're looking at Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Last week, Pastor Chris looked at uh, Galatians, and one of the themes that Paul writes about in there is living in freedom. We are no longer uh, bound to the law. Thank God we are bound to the Holy Spirit. Uh, next weekend, uh, Dr. Gementius Bubu will be here, and he will be looking at Philippians, where the major theme in there is living with joy. And who couldn't use a little more joy in their life these days? So you definitely want to be back for that. Today, though, we are going to be focusing on Ephesians, Paul letter, Paul's letter to the believers in Ephesus, where the theme there, one of the themes, is living as people of the light. And this is how Paul says it. He says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of the light. And first blush, you might hear that and think to yourself, oh, okay, live as people of the light, got it, okay. But do we really understand what that means? I mean, when I mention the other two themes, living in freedom, uh, living with more joy, intuitively we better understand that because we understand freedom and joy. But do we really understand what it means to live as people of the light? A story might help. Um, you've heard me talk about our youngest son, Cole, before. He is a vibrant, extroverted, uh, kind of life-of-the-party type of guy. I love him so deeply. Uh, yet he and I are hardwired differently. And I'm actually really grateful to him for that because I've had to learn how to be a better dad and actually a better leader because I've had to adapt my parenting style, my leadership style, to fit the other person's hardwiring and personality. Well, the good news is he is now 25, which means his brain is almost fully formed. But back when he was 18, long before the prefrontal cortex was close to developed, he had a learning opportunity. Um, when he turned 18, 
He and a buddy went to a local casino, unbeknownst to me or my wife, Amy. And I understand why he didn't tell us. Because if he was headed for the door and he's like, uh, mom, dad, head now, you mean so-and-so, we're going to the casino, he would have gotten the full parental treatment at that point. I, I would have given him a laundry list of reasons why he should not go to the casino. The least of which would have been, Cole, every game in the casino is designed to take your hard-earned money, of which you do not have a lot of, from your part-time job. So just because you can, doesn't mean you should. That's what he would have heard, among other things. So I understand why he didn't tell us, but I also understand why he wanted to go. Because for years, he had heard tales from his grandfather of the many times he's gone to Las Vegas and come home with lots of money. But of course, funny, Grandpa never talked about the times that he went and lost you know, virtually all of his money, which happens far more often. So anyways, all this takes place. One day, uh, I go out and get the mail, and there is a postcard addressed to Cole from the local casino inviting him to sign up for the upcoming blackjack tournament. I left it on the counter and waited for Cole to come home uh, so we could talk. Uh, Cole gets home, I say, hey, you got some mail. And of course, at first he's all excited because he doesn't get mail all that often, and then he sees what it is and his expression changes, and that's when the storytelling began. Uh, yeah, Dad, uh, I went with my buddy out to the casino. I just rode along, and um, he got extra points if I signed up for a frequent player's card, so that, that's why I got this. Did I believe him? Of course not. <laughs> and so I just, legit, I calmly expressed my disappointment. From a practical and spiritual standpoint, I just, I told him, I'm disappointed. And that was it. A few days later, uh, Amy and I have already gone to bed. There's a knock on our door, and Cole walks in, and he hands me $1,500 cash from the casino. And I'm sure my mouth was hanging open, and he proceeds to apologize for lying and not being more upfront. And then he tells me he actually won $3,000 that day, but felt so bad about what had taken place that he had already dropped the other 1,500, he gave it back to God by dropping it in the offering at church. In that moment, I was impressed, angry, and proud all at the same time. <laughs> and yet, I still had to make him squirm. So as I'm hearing all this, I just take the money and I look at him and I say, thank you. And I put the money on the nightstand and I went back to bed. And that was it. And you might wonder what uh, Amy and I did with the money. Uh, a few days later, we went to the VFW and played a lot of pull tabs. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm making that up. I'm making that up. We didn't do that. Uh, eventually, we gave the money back to him, but not until after we had another conversation about what took place. The vast majority of it went into his savings that he could not touch, and then he did end up with a little bit of walking around money. Now, my point in telling you this story is that Cole had a living in the light moment. A moment where he recognized how he was living in darkness and the pain that comes along with lies and deceit. He called it what it was, he brought it out into the light, he, he started to live again as a follower of Jesus should, as a person of the light. And I am guessing every single person listening right now could probably tell a similar type story in some way. Maybe a, a lack of honesty damaged or ended a, a friendship or a relationship. Maybe a lack of integrity cost you a job or cost you a promotion. Maybe gossiping 
about people talking about them behind their back got you uninvited from a friend group or at least got you invited to things a whole lot less often. Whatever it might be for you, hopefully, like Cole, you recognized what it was, you brought it out into the light, and you grew as a person and as a follower of Jesus. Which, by the way, is how the vast majority of us learn and grow is through our own self-inflicted pain. I mean, certainly, there's going to be pain that other people bring into our lives, but for the most part, it's our own poor choices that God uses to grow and develop us. It's just part of the Christian experience. But what if we could have a little less pain. And I say less because um, we live in a sin-scarred world. We're always going to experience some sort of pain. We have a spiritual enemy that is constantly tempting us to make the wrong choice. So yes, there's going to be times that we stumble and sin for sure. But what if we always didn't have to learn the hard way? What if there was a way that we could proactively live as people of the light? Well, that's what Paul is going to talk about in the section of Ephesians that we're going to be looking at today. So if you brought your Bible or you got your Bible app and you want to follow along, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And just as you're doing that, let me give you a little context of what we're going to be talking about. Um, the, The letter to the believers in Ephesus is unique as compared to some of Paul's other letters. For instance, his letter to the Colossians, in part he wrote that to fight back against some false teaching that involved things like legalism and mysticism. Same is true of Galatians. He wrote back to fight back against a group of people called the Judaizers that were going around and telling people, you have to live by the Jewish law in order to be saved. Uh, First and second Corinthians was written, Paul was correcting things that were wrong inside the church, as well as answering questions. People in the church were writing and asking questions, and he was responding to those, uh, those questions. But Ephesians is different. There's not even a personal greeting by Paul in the letter. He's not writing to fix problems, answer questions, fight back against false teaching. Actually, the reason Paul is writing is just simply to help strengthen and build up the church in love and unity. Scholars actually call Ephesians a circular letter, meaning it might have started in Ephesus, but the purpose was to have it then be uh, handed around to other churches in the region. And that's actually what makes Ephesians still so incredibly relevant to us today is because the same thing Paul desired for the early church would be the same thing that Paul would desire for us today if he was here. So let's jump in and see what Paul has to say about proactively living as people of the light. And again, we're going to start with the same verse I already read, chapter 5, starting in verse 8. Paul says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So Paul is saying, this is who you are. I mean, most certainly, at one time, you were far from God, you were dead in your sin, therefore, you were full of darkness, but the moment you put your faith in Jesus, the moment you started to follow him, everything changed. You became a person of the light. I think that's why he puts an exclamation point at the end of of that statement. So live as people of the light, exclamation point. Because that is your spiritual reality. And because of who you, that's who you are, that should influence now how you live. And that's important to note because what Paul is not saying is, okay, you want to be a person of the light? Well, first you have to behave as a person of the light. He's not saying that. He said because of who you are, that should influence how you live. But that doesn't answer how do we proactively live that way. Well, actually, we we need to go back a chapter, back to chapter 4, starting in verse 17. 
And uh, whatever Bible version that you're using, chances are the heading for that section says something along the lines of living as children of the light. So Paul is going to tell us how we can proactively do this. Starting in verse 17, he says this, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their mind and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So what Paul begins, he starts off by talking about what dark life living looks like. And his original readers would have known exactly what he was referencing. Uh, back then, the, the culture was um, quite a bit more sexualized. There, there were very few moral boundaries for the Gentiles that they would adhere to. And a Gentile is just any non-Jewish person. And for the believers in Ephesus, as they were just going about their daily business, walking around the city and that, almost daily they would walk past a temple that was built to a pagan god. And part of the worship to this so-called god was sex with a temple prostitute. So when Paul says things like, you know, live for lustful pleasure, no sense of shame, every kind of impurity, that in part is what he's talking about. Paul continues in verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have the truth that comes from him, here's the key. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Here is how we proactively live this way. By taking off the, the old nature and putting on the new. And by the way, that is exactly what Paul means. I mean, when he says, you know, put on and take off, it is the, the physical action of either putting something on or taking something off. Uh, about two weeks ago, uh, Amy is out working in her garden and she comes in with this panicked look on her face and she's like, uh, I think there's a Japanese beetle bug stuck in my hair. Can you look? And she's got long, curly hair, so it's not surprising something would get caught up in there. And sure enough, as I'm going through, the, the beetle bug drops onto the kitchen counter and Amy freaked out. She went full-on heebie-jeebie on this thing. It, it was like she, she, she pushed and like launched herself away from the beetle bug and was just like, <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, you've seen people do that before. Now, that may not be exactly what Paul is talking about, but it makes the point of what we need to throw off of ourselves. And there should be a growing awareness by us as followers of Jesus of what needs to be thrown off. And some of these things, it needs to be thrown off with that kind of excitement and energy and urgency because it's, it's still so deeply rooted in dark life living that if we don't get it off of us, it is just going to continue to trip us up and hold us back from the life that honestly we, and especially God, want us to live. And then Paul goes into highlighting a few things that we need to intentionally throw off of ourselves. And by the way, again, Paul is writing to believers here. So if you don't call yourself a Christian, you don't have to follow this. You can live however you want. But I would argue, if you threw just a few of these things off, your life would go so much better. Paul begins by saying this in verse 25. He says, stop telling lies. I think we all can agree on this one, right? I just don't know of many people that say, oh yeah, when it comes to my spouse or my doctor or my tax person, it's okay if they lie to me, no big deal. 
Of course not. Because lies and dishonesty erode the foundation of every relationship we have, and that foundation is trust. If there is no trust, there is no relationship. I mean, think about it. If we, if we threw and kept this one thing off of us, do you know what would happen in life? Less anxiety, less complication, less conflict. Paul continues. Don't sin by letting anger control you. And by the way, Paul isn't saying don't get angry because that's not realistic. We're, we're going to get angry from time to time. He's just saying don't sin in your anger. In other words, don't blow up. Don't lash back out at the other person. Don't say something you wish you could take back. Then Paul says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. That is pretty straightforward. That is a good thing to throw off of us. So uh, if you're a thief listening today, uh, please stop. Okay? <laughs> and then Paul says this, don't use foul or abusive language. And again, connected to the culture in which he's writing, he's saying, listen, Enough with the crude, dirty jokes. Clean up your language. Knock it off. And then he makes like a summary statement of all the things that we should throw off of ourselves. Uh, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So it's almost as if Paul is saying, okay, I highlighted a few things that I've been seeing in people these days that I, I, you need to kind of focus on throwing off. But just in case you're looking for a loophole on how you should live, Get rid of all evil behavior because that is not who you are. You have a light that comes from the Lord, so live as people of the light, exclamation point. And then he transitions into talking about some of the things we need to put on ourselves. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ forgave you. And my question is, do these three things describe you and me? Like instead of slander and abusive language, we need to put on kindness. Kindness in how we act and the words we use, both spoken and written. So how are your emails looking these days? How's your social media account look these days? Would people refer them as kind? And then... Instead of things like rage and anger, we need to put on tender-heartedness. In other words, showing patience and empathy, seeking to understand, doing our best to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. And instead of bitterness, which is really withholding forgiveness, we need to forgive others. Why? Because we have been forgiven. We didn't earn it, we certainly didn't deserve it, but simply because of the love of our Heavenly Father for you and me, he sent his, his only son to pay the full penalty for our sins. And so in light of that, who are we to withhold forgiveness from anybody? Now just for clarity, forgive does not mean forget. Forgive does not mean trust, because trust is earned over time, but what it does mean is that it is a deliberate act of our will to forgive the other person even if we don't feel like it. And then just like Paul made a summary statement of all the things we need to throw off of ourselves, he does the same thing for things we need to clothe ourselves with. Beginning at first verse in chapter five. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma 
to God. And again, just like he did before, Paul highlights a few things here, especially this is what I want you to put on. But in everything you do, imitate this selfless loving model that we have in Jesus. In everything. In fact, if you need a why behind why we should live this way, it's right here. It's because we are God's dear children. He, in his grace and mercy, brought us into his family. And that's what kids do. Kids imitate what their grown-ups do. And so we need to continue to imitate what our Heavenly Father has done through the model of Jesus Christ. In fact, that leads me to another why we should live this way. Go down to verse 15 in chapter 5 when Paul says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. What's the opportunity? It's people. It is the opportunity to to show and share Jesus with the people around us. That is why we have to be careful how we live, that we have to live wise and not as fools. In fact, this right here, or maybe the absence of this right here, is why there are people in your life that you know who have walked away from faith. Or maybe some of you listening right now, you have your hand on the doorknob of Christianity and you are ready to walk out because of this. Meaning, there's people in your life that call themselves a Christian, but you just see a lot, of, a lot of that dark life living still happening. And really the only evidence that they are a follower of Jesus is they go to a building once a week, once a month, or once a year for one hour. You don't see any evidence of them trying to imitate Jesus at all. And it's caused you to question or doubt or not even be interested in exploring matters of faith or Christianity. And if that's you listening today, I get it. And in a lot of ways, I don't blame you. I don't. So with the few minutes that I have left, I want to try to get more practical. Like how how do we proactively live as people of the light? We, We talked about what Paul wants us to do, throw off the old, put on the new. We talked about why we are God's children. We are God's plan A to bring the message of Jesus to those around us. So let me end with just a couple practical hows. The first of which came in chapter four when Paul said this, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And to me, the key word here is let the Spirit. Again, we have this incredible power inside of us. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside every believer. And here's the thing. We cannot will ourselves to live this way. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are told it's made clear that God is the author and perfecter of our faith. And here is the Holy Spirit willing to guide and direct and empower us to live this way. The question is, are you letting him do his work? Meaning as intentionally, as you clothe yourself, your new nature, that includes intentionally inviting the Spirit in to do his work. It's prayerfully asking the Spirit, help me see people in situations the way that Jesus would see people in situations. And as our attitudes, our thoughts and our attitudes change uh, to look more like Jesus, guess what? We're just naturally going to look and live more like Jesus. One more how, one more how. I think it's just as practical. I have to go back to Cole's story for a second. Something important happened between when the postcard showed up and when he handed me the money. He actually drove down to Winona to talk with his older brother, Josh. He was going to school there at the time. And Cole got there, and he said to Josh, I got a problem. 
Josh said, I know, but which one are you talking about? And, <laughs> and Cole told him everything, that he had won $3,000 and we knew that he had gone to the casino and he's asking Josh, what should I do? And in that moment, Josh could have said, uh, give me half the money or I'm gonna tell dad. But thankfully he didn't. In that moment, he gave light living advice. He just said to Cole, you gotta be honest. You gotta come clean, you gotta tell mom and dad. Chances are they're gonna find out anyways, you might as well be honest. And I was so grateful that Cole had the courage to reach out to Josh to have that conversation, and I'm incredibly uh, grateful for the advice that Josh gave. And my point being, who is in your life giving you light living advice? Who cares enough about you to help hold you accountable to living as a person of the light? You know this, we've never been more connected in history than now, but we've never been more lonely. I just read a report last week that only one in five people have a close friend that they feel like they can talk to. A lot of surface, a lot of superficial friends, but no, very few deep, meaningful ones. Folks, that's why we, you hear us talk about community groups all the time around here because that's what we want for you. We want you to have a life-giving group of people who are learning and growing together, who are praying for each other, who are cheering each other on to be better imitators of Jesus. And you might be tempted to say, yeah, I've got friends, and I'm sure you do. But my question back is, but are they helping you live as a person of the light? Or do you see some of the old dark light living happening when you're with them? And I'll never know the answer to that question. I don't need to know the answer to the question. All I ask is that you be honest with yourself when answering that question. So if you don't have someone like that, people like that in your life, please check out a community group. Bottom line, is it gonna be easy, quick and easy putting on and keeping on our new nature? You know this, of course not. It's gonna take time, and in essence, a lifetime, because we never perfectly imitate Jesus. But here's the thing, putting in the effort and time to do so, it is so worth it. Because ultimately, you know what you're gonna be throwing off? Regret and guilt. And I say that because when you think back to the things in your life that you wish you could forget, that you wish you could go back and do over again, I'm guessing that whatever happened was connected to the throw-off list that Paul highlights. And if you think about it, if you had been living as a person of, the, of a light, your life may look quite different right now. Like that friendship would still be intact, that marriage would still be together, you'd still have that job, or you wouldn't be estranged from that person. So living as a person of the light, absolutely, it is gonna make life better. And more importantly, you're gonna be honoring the one you are trying to imitate. You will be honoring the one who laid down his life for you and me. You will be showing people a version of Jesus and Christianity worth following. So yeah, together, let's, with the help of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, let's look a little bit more like imitators of Jesus, just a little bit more every day. So here's my invitation. I'm gonna close with this. Here, here's my invitation. Starting tomorrow morning, when you get up and you physically clothe yourself, 
Let me invite you to breathe just a quick prayer, something like this. Holy Spirit, in your power, today I am putting on my new and true nature. Do your work to help me live as a person of the light. Holy Spirit, in your power, today I put on my new and true nature. Do your work and help me live as a person of the light. Let's pray. Father, we begin by just saying thank you uh, for your servant, the Apostle Paul, and the influence that he has on us as your followers. We are extremely grateful. And Lord, uh, in our humanness, we can't do this. But with your strength and your spirit guiding us and leading us, yes, Lord, we can be better imitators of Jesus and not for our sake, not just because our life will go better, but for your sake, for your honor, for your glory, to show people a better version of who you are and why we follow. So Father, thank you for your truth and your guidance and your love for us. And we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen.